Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to The Experience here on ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and you can get more podcasts, more information on the show, or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Today, we're talking PH Day. May 5th is World PH Day, and I have with us uh, talking all about that, Steve Van Warmer, co-founder and president of PH Aware Global Association, and Dr. Juan Alejos. He currently serves as medical director of the pediatric heart transplant cardiomyopathy. Wow. I'm learning cardiomyopathy program at Mattel's Children's Hospital at UCLA. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for having us so far. Uh, Steve, tell me about PH Aware Global Association and its mission. PH Aware Global Association is a, uh, a pulmonary hypertension awareness uh, and research organization, nonprofit, that was formed uh, by a number of uh, patients, uh, parents uh, like myself. I've got a son, Lucas, who's 17, who is uh, suffers from idiopathic pulmonary hypertension, which uh, basically is uh, elevated high blood pressure in the arteries of the lungs that basically makes the heart work harder and harder to pump blood less and less effectively. I'm not the medical expert. But that's why I brought my <laughs> son's doctor, Dr. Alejos. Uh, we formed this uh, with a number of parents who all have children with this disease. My, Like I said, my son has it. Uh, another partner has a son, Ian, who uh, is 17, 18 years old, uh, had a, um, a lung transplant uh, about a year ago. And uh, another partner, Marie uh, Rand, who uh, had a daughter who uh, passed away from this disease many years ago uh, in a time uh, when there wasn't as many therapies available. Now, now, before we get into all the therapies and what the good doctor is going to tell us to inform us about this disease, uh, you guys have a major event that I want the listeners to know about right now that they could participate in. Oh, yes. On, on Saturday, May 4th uh, in Santa Monica. Saturday, May 4th in Santa Monica. That's right. We're having a charity poker event uh, for uh, called uh, Go All In for PH and uh, CHD Awareness. And basically, it uh, is a charity poker event in Santa Monica. On if you, you can go and we want to have you come and play cards for a, lot, a great uh, fun. Uh, fun, uh, why am I blanking out here? I'm sorry. There's, I put you uh, meaning, on the spot. Yes, I'm sorry. So it, we, we, uh, we're doing this for two great foundations, PH Aware, uh, um, Hearts with Hope, uh, which is the uh, nonprofit that Dr. Lejos uh, uh, runs as well. And uh, it is Saturday at 6 p.m. till about 1130 or whenever the final table winner is uh, awarded. You can find that out. Uh, join us on Eventbrite uh, or go to phaware.global slash poker to learn all about it and we hope to see many people there the first two people that send an email at phaware.global that's info at phaware.global i'll get the email the first two people will get two more seats there fantastic now dr alejos tell us how you got into the medical field uh that's way back when um actually my my dad was a pediatrician um, so growing up, in so Michigan, it runs in the family. It runs in the family. My daughter's also in, in medicine, just starting wow. out. So I guess it does run in the family. But uh, I, I actually was not partly the medicine, but partly watching 
how good it felt for my dad to take care of others. And he was a, as he's a pediatrician, he was children and how much it meant to him to be able to take care of children. And he also had, uh, an interest in cardiology, which this is before cardiology was a, a subfield of general pediatrics. And so he spent a lot of time teaching me the little nuances. I mean, the, the normal heart sounds and things when I was growing up. And so as I started to do practice out here, I realized that I was really drawn to cardiology. And so it kind of, I think I've been fortunate to find the right uh, steps to get to the kind of my dream job. Now you have Michigan on your sweatshirt right now. And I know Steve... You too went to Michigan. No, you? I went to Michigan. I went to Michigan State. Oh, but so we find sorry, a common Adam. we find sorry. common ground. <laughs> we've, we've, made, we've made pe- we've made peace. <laughs> no, it's all. Uh, good. If it was Ohio State, we'd be talking a whole different story. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. So you went from Michigan. Yes. To straight to UCLA. Yes, I decided to throw away my winter clothes and my yes. winter jacket. No, actually, I made my decision. It was a, I remember because it was a February morning, 5 a.m. I was sitting on the bus from the parking lot to the <laughs> hospital. It was 30 or 40 below windshield. Oh, wow. Yes. And I said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and I haven't. So I am very happy to be here in California. And, and Steve, you have a rich history as well. You started off in Michigan and then you made it out here. Yeah. So I, I said, I went to Michigan State as, uh, and I graduated. And like four days later, I packed a U-Haul and headed to California because, uh, basically for me, uh, my, much like your story, Dr. Lejos is a, as a kid, have putting on mittens and getting one little <laughs> tiny piece of snow caught right yes. on your right on the tip of your wrist yes. feels like knives, and I could not take it anymore. So uh, I live in beautiful downtown Burbank now. <laughs> <laughs> and you were talking about your son. Tell us about that journey. Yeah. So, um, so my wife Marina and I have uh, one son, Lucas, who's uh, seventeen. He's a junior in uh, high school now. Uh, but when he was Four years old, um, preschool. He basically had a year of, uh, of just kind of downward spiral and not doing well, um, where he was just like not keeping up and just slow and always tired and, and, and whatnot. And we went to various doctors and pulmonologists and, and places and, and, you know, was misdiagnosed as many patients are, uh, of all ages, uh, as having exercise induced asthma. And we were giving you, you know, uh, asthma inhaler medicine and it just wasn't really working because that really attacks, uh, or helps uh, open up the throat but what you're talking about is high blood pressure in the lungs so it really wasn't an effective treatment and he was just getting worse and worse and this one particular november we went to a pediatric uh pediatric a pediatrician and they took a chest x-ray just to see if he had like pneumonia or something mm-hmm. and because they took a picture of his chest they saw noticed that the uh his right side of his side of his heart was enlarged and that's a big um telltale sign that something's going on and we referred to a cardiologist who did a uh, a series of tests ultrasounds and ekgs and all this stuff and exercise testing ultimately we got referred to ucla and that's where i met dr lejos like almost thir- you know 13 years ago this november and he can describe more of the deeper battery of tests that patients to get a firm diagnosis which is like a right heart catheterization you're put under di- uh, under anesthesia and they test different medicines and stuff on 
on you, but he did get that diagnosis, you know, and that was really at a time that, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that that is right when combination therapies, meaning two or more ways of attacking this disease, was really approved. And that was a huge benefit mm-hmm. for a, a kid or a patient like Lucas at that time. All these years later, thankfully, he has been uh, and continues to be on or- all oral therapy, which is the, really the least impactful on a patient's quality of life. So we were very lucky and blessed to not only to uh, to meet you know this doctor and mm-hmm. UCLA Children's Hospital and just all the people that, that go along with that. So uh, we've been very happy with that. So Dr. Alejo, so if Lucas came in maybe five years previous or 10 years previous, the known factors of this disease, they, it wasn't known, right? So yeah, I mean, the, med- the disease was known, but the options or treatments were very scarce. Five or 10 years earlier, the survival for this kind of condition in a child was probably one in three to live more than three years. Wow. Then, I mean, as we've over time, and I mean, even it continues to be, I mean, it's a rare disease. I mean, it's more common in adults, very rare in children. Why is it Um, more common in adults than children? I probably, I mean, I think that there's a lot of other reasons you can develop it as an adult. There's a lot of causes. Some of it are what they call the idiopathic, which means we don't know the cause, but some of them can be caused by certain autoimmune diseases like lupus or certain arthritis or certain things that attack your lungs and cause pulmonary hypertension. That usually just over time results in that in, in into the adult population. Most children who have it have what's called idiopathic. Um, again, just no known cause. It's just something, it, it can be genetic, but also, so the, the population is small. So these medicines are all now that we use are all approved in adults. And really, when we use them in children, we are going off label, as they say. We actually are, I mean, using medications and developing doses out of experience. And so that's why the number of doctors who treat this condition are a very small community because it, it really takes basically experience in, t- in treating them. to Right. You know. So when you saw Lucas's scan, his x-ray, you knew right away. And it, was it an ex- experiment of how he was going to react to the drugs or you knew, okay, we're doing this, this step one, step two, step three? I mean, basically I knew the course that we were going to take, but the re- how he well he would respond was a complete unknown. And there are, as, as Steve was saying, there are oral medications, there are medications you inhale, and there are medications you get IV. Obviously, the preferred one is just taking oral medications. And so that's how we started with Lucas. And we just did not know how much improvement we would get. And how many? How much improvement did he, he get? Uh, you know, I think it, at that time, I would say almost within a 24, 36 hours, I just wow. remember on the first drug, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was like instant. It was like almost like a different kid. Uh, and then when, uh, you know, once, you know, these are serious therapies, a lot of insurance issues and, and stuff, uh, getting them all approved. And when we added the second one, then it was like night and day. Another thing about this at that time is at the uh, at the time I want to say it was maybe seven FDA approved therapies that were again zero of these were for kids. Now uh, thirteen something years later, I think there's fourteen fourteen plus and more in the pipeline. So the the opportunities and the uh, the different pathways that doctors have to choose when a patient comes in today as opposed to when there was nothing or one or two or whatever the options have greatly improved and 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 they and they get better all the time and you know and, and that's part of the uh of going to the hospital and going to get checkups and all those kind of things because you're like hey is this working is it not working do we try this do we step up here or roll back here <laughs> and that's really a 
I think kind of a, a the the push and pull of it is because it's really how much impact are these doing because they're pretty serious medica- medications with side effects and that have to do with how much you're eating and what your weight or doing blood tests and you know like how much aches and pains you're in I guess on a daily basis you know nausea those kind of things I mean they do have they do have they're very potent medicines that do have a lot of side effects I mean it's it's it causes a, I mean a great deal of improvement it doesn't bring them back to normal I mean they can never be running a marathon for instance I mean to them I mean and so the, your what you said is your normal becomes much at a much different level I mean and it does impact I mean it's very difficult I mean obviously for any anybody but especially a child in my mind to have a kind of a chronic disease that limits you mm-hmm. to how far you can walk, whether you can go up a flight of stairs, whether, I mean, something as simple as going up a flight of stairs for these children can be exhausting. I mean, they get to the top of the stairs, they they will have to go and rest three times on the way to get to the top. So it's pretty, it's a pretty devastating disease, or it can be. So when you diagnose a child with pH, what what are the things that they have to do? Is it like weekly visits, or is it everyday visits to make sure that the medication is working? I mean, typically, I mean, we count a lot on the parents. I mean, typically when we first start out, it's every couple of weeks or every month visits. I mean, the the first medication, the one we use right off the bat, we expect to see benefit in the first couple of days. The other medication, the other oral medication, we, we know takes two to three months to kick in. So, I mean, we, you know, I tend to see them pretty regularly in the, in the first three months until those medicines are both kind of in the system. And then from there, I kind of loosen up. But at, at the most or at the most relaxed, I think I'm seeing them every three months. And Steve, and you and your wife, how did you go about handling this journey with Lucas? <laughs> I think that, you know, for me personally, the the blessing and the empowerment that I have is that we have a great doctor. Mattel Children's Hospital has been great. All the nurses you have and all the, you know, whether they be the ones that are checking you in or the ones that are helping facilitate the uh, the medications in the mail, we've never had an issue. Uh, and and I think that's kind of hand in hand with going to uh, any patient, mm-hmm. no matter where they are, should be going to some kind of expert center. People that are, you know, obviously dealing with this, these kind of meds, these kind of uh, these kind of uh, um Heart cap labs, they know what they're doing, you know, and, and, and in truth, you know, this is, I don't mean this flippantly is like, I remember so clearly when I walked out of the, uh, you know, out of this, uh, referral saying, Oh, this, you know, Hey, your kid's gonna not, you know, live two years or, or whatnot. And we were going to get referred to UCLA and I, and I called, you know, it was like, Hey, there's a couple names. And I, and we called, uh, I called Dr. Leos and I'm, and I literally goes, I was like, Hey, are you the guy? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, are you the guy to, to come and see? And he goes, you know, I like to think I'm the guy. And so that, that's a true story. And so we, uh, you know, and like, and so, and really what's navigating that you said, you know, with, with, with my wife, Marina, is like, you got to deal with insurance. You got to deal with this thing or school and school nurses, educating, you know, your commute, your circle of people, whether it be family, anybody that kind of uh, interacts with you and th- whether that's you're talking about a kid or your sister, yes. your husband or spouse or whatever. But um, that's what's really empowered me to be able to do the things we're doing at our organization, mm-hmm. because I feel like we're in great hands. We're working with great people, you know, t- call, text, whatever, all the time. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman, actually, um, who you may know. I, uh, her name escapes me off the top of my head. There's some woman seen by another hospital who's has a young son who's 
I think you're doing like a phone consult or something with. She's in another medical system. And so this per- this woman calls me, this mom, and she's like, oh, you know, what do you think about this doctor? And what about this doctor? And what about this hospital? And what the about guy, this thing? The guy. The guy. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I told the same story, you know, but, but I, he I think that, guy. you know, it's, 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 it's so the stress level is so reduced mm-hmm. when you know and feel you're in good hands and when you're not dealing with, Oh my God, I'm so stressed out. Am I going to run out of pills? Did the next one come? That has never been an issue. Uh, with the team he's got it there, with the team that does the, you know, with the pharmaceutical companies and the specialty pharmacy that mail it to you. So it's been easy for me in that sense. And that lets me freeze my mind up to go do the things that I'm doing for the, for right. the organization. But isn't it, isn't it true that even, reaching out to people that are going through the same thing or going through, you know, the similar situation that it helps and it helps reduce that level of the unknown. There's something that we do at PH aware that I'm very proud of. And that was like three years ago. We started a podcast series really inspired not to, uh, not, I I can say, Laverne, you've had uh, had me on a number of times over the years, and you know what you're doing with community and people and awareness and activating people. That's great and getting the word out. So we started this. You know, I I you know I said I moved from California uh, from Michigan to California to work in the entertainment field. I've worked in uh, you know commercials and uh, promos and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of have this group of people: editors, graphics people, designers, sound mixers, etc. And a couple of years ago, we're like, hey, let's do a podcast series. And mm-hmm. so I've went around. I uh, I went around. I went around the, the you know the United States to conferences, to medical conferences, to patient conferences, in person support groups, whatever, with mobile recording gear. Yeah. And I and remember done, when you launched yeah, it. We so we've amazing. done like 240, 50 episodes at this point, mm-hmm. twice a week. We're talking to doctors, experts in it, and it gives me personally like literally a front front row seat to the best minds on the planet to parents or caregivers that are mm-hmm. doing global leaders that are doing great stuff and really radiating that message out to people who might be in isolated situations mm-hmm. who might not be going to great centers like UCLA uh, or or living in Australia or wherever and um, you know we've worked where we're just like just plugging away as a matter of fact uh, after we you know we scheduled this interview the other day I got an email like Friday morning and it was like you're you're approved by Pandora you know awesome. so it's like Pandora Spotify iHeartRadio uh Apple iTunes Google we're like every platform we're making it very easy for people to to, to get access to doctors like Dr. Lejos or or who or whoever to really learn hey this is what transplants about this is what this is about this is what it's like to deal with depression and some of the one of the Best things, two, two really quick anecdotes I'll tell you is one, I was in Canada talking to all these nurses that worked on a transplant unit and they said when a patient comes in, a family comes in and they have to, their son or daughter, whoever has to get a heart trans, lung transplant, um, they're like, don't go on Google, go to this podcast series because we uh, have 15, 20 patients, young and old. This is really, you should really, what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Or, uh, a pharmaceutical partner who is one of our sponsors that were getting new into the space because drugs come on and off mm-hmm. and go generic or the next generation of drugs come. And uh, this one gentleman told me that he's like, we're just getting into pulmonary hypertension. And he's like, the, the, the way these things are five to 20 minutes long, he's like, that is what it takes me to shave or get on the treadmill or get in the car. And I learned about this community every day. Mm-hmm. So 
pardon me, but I, I'm just really proud of that. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's it's be. it's really uh, it's a blessing for me because I'm like you know selfishly I'm getting the front row seat. I'm like mm, okay, so I'm thinking <laughs> I'm always following that information for myself, but that's uh-huh. like but it, but I'm but I'm we're we're opening that up to yeah. to to a hundred plus countries to to so people aren't going to be isolated in an isolating disease. Now again, Saturday May fourth is your go all in for PH and CHD, and you guys are giving away two tickets to the event. Yes, well we will get we want we want players we want people to come for a fun night. Do we mention there is free food and drink for registrants? What? Yep. <laughs> so so again, you can go to register. It's on Eventbrite. Just uh, you know, search under PH Aware, one word, or you can go to phaware.global slash poker. But uh, we will give we're we're, we're going to give out a couple seats here. Let's buy more players. And uh, so I I want to say the first two people that send an email. It's easiest to do this by email to go info. At phaware.global. That's info at phaware.global. I'll get the email. The first two people will get two more seats there for you guys. Awesome. If you love poker and you love a good cause, this is it. Definitely email in. And again, phaware, Global Association, and Hearts with Hope uh, is is raising the stakes at this uh, event. Now, Dr. Alejo, tell us about Hearts with Hope. Hearts with Hope is a nonprofit, a 501c3 uh, foundation that I started now, I mean, incorporated basically back in 2006. And our, our main mission is to care for children with congenital heart disease, uh, not just from a medical standpoint and a, from a surgical, humanitarian, dental standpoint in, in, under, in the underserved world population. So we actually take full teams and it's, it's, this is a project that's uh, basically draws volunteers from worldwide. We've taken physicians and volunteers from Europe, from South America, from all over the United States. Uh, we take full surgical teams, cardiac catheterization teams, cardiology teams to do diagnosis, dental, nursing, the whole, I mean, basically a miniature hospital mm-hmm. where we perform heart surgeries and interventional cardiac catheterization procedures to close defects in children's hearts at no cost to the patient. It's, and and what is the website or how can we find out more? It, you can find out more at www.heartswithhope.org. Um, is, uh, I mean, or you, if you email info at heartswithhope.org, you can actually reach, uh, I mean, reach us. And I mean, we are, uh, I like to think of us as a small but powerful organization. We have yeah. a lot of dedicated volunteers and, uh, I think we've, we've done a lot of good work over the years. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Now, when I say the guy, when I'm like, Hey, are you the guy? When I found <laughs> out this guy is taking like dozens of people and doing dozens and dozens of heart casts, like in a weekend or over a, week period or something selfishly i'm thinking <laughs> here's a guy that's getting experience experience experience, experience. i'm like oh, you're the guy <laughs> he's the guy and i was telling you uh before we got on the air how my son came up to me today and was like mom do you do you know the most important my son is six do you know the most important organ in the body and i was like what david he's like it's the heart and I was like, oh, why is that? He goes, well, if you don't have a heart, you'll be a zombie. <laughs> and not only a zombie, you'll be a bald zombie. Maybe you'll have one piece of hair or two or maybe three or four, but that's it. You'll be bald. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, David. <laughs> but then it, you know, I went on to take the time to, you know, explore why he thinks that the heart is the most important part of the body. And 
what the functions are. So, and and at the end of the day, that's really what all these meds are doing. Whether you're talking about congenital heart disease or pH meds, you're you're really finding that that sweet spot to put mm-hmm. less strain on the heart so they can live, you know, their best life. Right. Exactly. Dr. Alejos, can you talk about the therapies that have come about and how they came about? Because when Lucas was first diagnosed, there was only a few. How did all the other therapies come about to help treat pH? I, I think that there, as the discovery of kind of some of the mechanisms that cause pH, um, I think that they started to find almost by accident in some cases. In some cases, some of the base medicines that we use were developed actually initially to treat heart disease, to treat the coronary disease, the blood vessels that feed the heart muscle and help them relax to improve the blood flow to the heart. But by accident, they found that this medication had more of an impact on the blood vessels in the lungs than it did in the heart. Mm. So it began to be used for that purpose, for the for the lungs themselves. Um, the, one of the first medications that was used by mouth is, is sildenafil, which is known more popularly as Viagra. I mean, in, for obviously for a different effect, but the same bottom line, the way it works is relaxing blood vessels, and that's what the goal was. So I think that as as they begin to become a kind of a, an awareness of what kind of medications, what pathways cause the disease, mm-hmm. there were certain steps that were taken to try to find ways to actually treat it. And they've come a long way because the medications that always had to be required to be given IV can now be given orally. Mm-hmm. So a lot of children don't need to be, I mean, have an IV pump or a long-term IV out of their arm or carrying a pump um, and be treated. But these medications, and there continue to be uh, small companies that are very dedicated to treating this this condition. Um, which which is really very important. I think, if I may add to that, you know, what we said, there's, I don't know the exact number. So uh, the, the, there's 700 plus rare diseases in the, in the world. I think only about 300 or so of those even have therapies. And out of those 300, pulmonary hypertension is second or third in that whole list of the number of therapies available. Uh, which is a great thing. Uh, we you mentioned earlier, out of all those therapies, however, there's only one that's FDA approved for ch- for children. And uh, one of the other big research things that we're really happy about uh, that my partner is really um, overseeing this, uh, John Hess, this whose son Ian had a lung transplant, was. Um, that we're developing uh, a research app working with centers like Stanford uh, and Children's uh, Hospital of Colorado and others to uh, to develop a uh, an app that works on Apple Watches, uh, in, you know, and on on wearable devices, mm-hmm. uh, and that will really track uh, six minute validation walking walk tests and um, and uh, um, uh, your quality of life surveys instruments and and all that kind of data is going to have be a lot, you know, a lot of data points that will help doctors assess their patients. So as, as we said, and Dr. Lejo said, you might have a patient that comes in th- two, three, four times a year. And generally that's really how your, um, your medication and your, how you're doing, you're walking further, you're walking less. That's kind of how we, the overview of how you're assessed. And so by having the ability to have 
daily tests or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's sent back and forth to the doctor at these hospitals and centers is going to hopefully uh, be really mm-hmm. a, a game changer in, in ways of data collection, evaluation of multiple patients on uh, data points to ultimately get to the places like FDA so they can uh, hopefully push more of these uh, therapies approval for uh, for kids right. and adults. So, Steve, how was Lucas uh, in regards to his activity? Was he able to play sports or what was well, what his I activity? in him? Um, he didn't play sports. He doesn't he doesn't do gym class because um, we have a, a, a 504 plan for that because, uh, you know, high aerobic exercise for patients uh, in his case, especially uh, that wasn't. It's, it's hard to do. They can't mm-hmm. c- keep up and play basketball and all those kind of things. But what I find in talking to the number of p- people I've known in the community is that it's kind of, it's, it's different if let's say you're uh, the, the star quarterback and you find out you've got this disease or you drop down and you're a basketball player and oh, I'm sorry, you can't do cheerleading anymore or something. Uh, he never did that because he was so young when he was diagnosed. So he, his life was like, Oh, I'm going to take art class and he's a great artist and drawer and painter and uh or i'm going to do this or i'm going to get into music or i'm going to do this that or the other thing so i think in situations like this um you know you you just you find other ways of 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 defining things you enjoy and and how you approach life i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now do you find that uh, dr leos do you find that people are able to participate in sports or walking or how how do they get their exercise um, with this disease. I mean, I think in terms of, I mean, we do discourage women from being in competitive sports because especially as you get into the teenage years, I mean, it's, it's, you have a, a lot of the concerns about somebody not reporting when they're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do encourage them to do other, I mean, exercise, ride a bike, be on a treadmill, walk. Um, I mean, to do whatever they, they can do. I mean, a lot of them play, I mean, they may not go and play on a soccer team, but they'll kick a soccer ball around with their brothers or cousins or I mean the same thing shoot baskets I mean they may again they for the most part I mean we try to encourage them to have as normal a life as possible but put whatever certain restrictions certain limitations I mean I, I I talk to them quite a bit about the importance of quality of life I mean over quantity of life and I think to, just because I want them to be happy a lot of times a lot of the kids can go to PE but they don't Run the mile, they mm-hmm. walk the mile, and if they or, or whatever they can do, and that's becomes more for the socialization, more for being with their friends. Um, but we try to. I mean, it also helps us because when they don't do as well as they did the month or the year before, we know that something's something's oh, changed. Right. But at the same time, I think too, as 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 these therapies advance and kids are say they're on pumps and then they roll back and now they're on oral meds or inhaled or something. I know a number of uh, young adults and kids that are now there's like a, you might even be her doctor. I don't know. There's a girl who's like a competitive hula dancer and she mm-hmm. straps an oxygen tank to her, to the, her back and or, or whatever, her pump to her skirt and, or kids that, that do play basketball or softball or whatever. So it's, I think it's kind of a case by case basis, but, mm-hmm. but I definitely have noticed not just in Luke, but in other people, that is these double, triple therapies, whatever it is, advance and they get better. Their their baseline gets better, and and they, they you know a lot of these people uh, they push as much as they want to push. I guess is fair to say. Kids are resilient, and I think yeah. that that's what attracted me to working in pediatrics. I mean, I have a young patient who was on the IV pump, and she was seven years old. She was being switched to oral medications, and the best thing she did for her eighth birthday was have a pool party, and she'd never been able to get into a pool because of this IV yeah. line. And she sent me a video of her jumping and diving and 
And I, I mean, you know, it made me close my eyes because, yeah. of, but she had a blast and she did just fine. And so, like I said, kids, I mean, I think maybe it's our fears that hold them back, but kids yeah. are incredibly resilient you know, and do very well. I remember so clearly I was at a, a PH conference with a bunch of families. Um, this is many years ago, like 10 plus years ago. And, um, at the time, I just met this my, when I said my partner uh, Ian, uh, my uh, my partner uh, John has his son Ian. He had a dry suit where you basically he had a pump, so he had it. It's really tight on the sleeves and the knees and whatnot. And we were on the pool swimming around, and I noticed this one girl just kind of like pacing up and down the um, the swimming pool, uh, you know, like a like a lioness or something, you know. And like so, she was just staring at him, and we realized that that girl, who also was on a pump, had never ever been in a swimming pool, and she was probably ten. And, uh, so, um, he got out and took his sweatsuit off, put the scroll in this, in this wetsuit, dry wow. suit, and she floundered around, you know, swam around. And yeah. it was, that was like one of the greatest things ever. I just yeah. really, really was it, like, I'll never forget that, you yeah. know? Wow. And so you say a pump. So what does that pump consist of? It's a, I mean, a small pump, probably the, almost a little bit bigger than an iPhone. It, it's a little bit thicker, but it is attached to tubing, which is an I, which also leads to an IV, a, a, a catheter inside a blood vessel, and it delivers a medication continuously, 24 oh. hours a day. Um, the patients or the families have to change the medication every day. Um, it is. It's, I mean, it, it probably for the most severe cases, it, that pump is that little, it's almost like a little, that pump cassette is actually, it, it goes in very slowly, like, mm -hmm. like maybe a, a fifth of a teaspoon an hour. So it goes very, very slowly, but it pushes the infusion in. Problem is when you have these medications in kids, it's, I mean, these are for the kids who are probably most, most severely affected by this condition. But if they, if the IV they have breaks or the pump breaks or the line gets yanked out, I mean, it's very, it's very important that they get medical attention quickly. So this is, it's kind of the, in a way, their lifeline. I, I've had one nice. patient who had a goat chew through his line. So, <laughs> what? I mean, he was living in the tell. Life and he had, <laughs> yes. uh, so, Please do but, tell. Uh, but he, you know, so he, but you know, you have to, you have to get to the hospital. I mean, quickly, but it's, but it, it, so obviously getting off those medications and onto oral medications was huge for them. So the dry suit would the dry suit hold the little pack? No, I'm just saying it would you, you it would be inside there. So oh. I'm just saying like if you have some, it's just basically saying it's you're not getting leakage right. in like you would in like a wetsuit or something. So it's really tight around your. Oh, okay. So whatever you have a pump or whatever, it, that just makes it so it's not going to yes. get exposed. Learning something new, yeah. right? Um, you could keep like 20 iPhones in there, I suppose, <laughs> as well. It's dry. <laughs> exactly. And again, again, uh, May 5th is. World PH Day. World PH Day. And you are giving away two tickets to your event. Mm -hmm. On May 4th, which is in Santa Monica. So uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, you can find it under PH Aware uh, under Eventbrite or at phaware.global slash poker. But to get one of the two seats we're giving away, email us at info at phaware.global. First two people that email me, you get a seat. Free you get a seat. Free food, free bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. What else? What kind of other activities do you have at the event? Well, it's, it's mostly set up around, uh, around poker, uh, and, uh, there's some, uh, you know, silent auction items or raffle items we'll have, and, you know, it's, but it's pay, uh, you know, it's gonna be great people from, uh, UCLA, doctors, nurses, members from, uh, Hearts with Hope, uh, uh, patients, uh, Paul, you know, P um, 
pH patients from all around uh, Southern California. So uh, you can learn about this. Uh, it's just good fun, and yeah. uh, and you know, people come out for a, a night of, uh, and you know, a night of uh, wild times. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Alejos was talking about maybe it's us as maybe parents or the medical in- institutions that are more fearful. You as a parent, Steve, did you find that you were more fearful for your son to go out and do activities or did you give him the landscape to follow his journey? Um, it's very different when you have a four or five or six year old. They're very malleable. You can say, do this, don't do this, do this. And uh, now we're talking about a 17 year old now. <laughs> Who doesn't want to go to the movies with me oh, or whatever? Right, <laughs> you know, so right. like they're doing their own thing. No Avengers. Uh, so, um, so look, I, I think a lot like anything. I, you know, I'm I'm a parent of a teenager now. They ha- they have to ultimately figure out. He, he's got to figure out his own way about things. We, you know, you can guide people, but yeah, there's things to say. Um, you know, I think it's trial and error, you know, and I think that th- this is a great community. Uh, it's a great community with which is interesting. Like like I said, I've known our doctor here for 13 years and the insurgence of places like Facebook uh, and social media and connectivity. So you can there's a lot of parents groups, pH groups in general, support groups of all kinds for any disease, you know, not just unique to to mm-hmm. to, uh, to heart disease or lung disease. But um that's what's been a great thing. So you can find answers like, oh, what do I do about this? Or how do I get a dry suit? Or where do I get this? Or what happens when I take this med? Because th- this parent that I mentioned earlier that called me that's getting consulted by Dr. Alejos here, I had this because she's, she's, uh, her son's going to start this, this other meta, this other therapy, this newer therapy. I had the same phone conversation with young adults and moms and parents, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago when Lucas started this other drug. So mm. it's just that you, you pay it forward, you pass on information, the best, you know, the best to your abilities. And, uh, and, and hopefully, uh, not just as a, as a, uh, as a, as a caregiver parent, but hopefully, you know, we're, we're also providing that as a resource through phaware.global through our medical experts and, and, and things like podcasts and, 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 uh, and various, um, uh, information and educational inf- right. tools you could find there. So I really think that it's an evolving community and an evolving space and it's an exciting time because, uh, you know, what you're what you're ultimately doing is you're you're ho- you're you're having events like the events we're having to raise monies for for missions and and research and, and whatnot so that the next um the next uh scientist and person that's doing the next right you know clinical trial is going to make uh it that much easier for the next person down the way dr lejos how did you know that you needed to change uh lucas's therapy this past, last time, a lot of that I count on. I mean, I count on Steve and, and Marina. I mean, I think when they, you know, telling me that he's not walking as far as he was, but that he's a little bit more run down at the end of the day. That and also, I mean, some non-invasive tests that we do, an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart, it can tell us kind of indirectly what the pressures inside the heart are. Mm. It can also tell us how hard the heart is working. So when we see that, when you, I mean, and over time, we know this is kind of a slowly progressive condition. So when we see that developing. Or we hear things, I mean, you know, yes, he, he used to be able to go up two flights of stairs. Now he only goes up one. Or he used to run, walk with his friends for, you know, for hours. And now he's, you know, he's got to slow down and stop. I mean, those kind of things. And they're sometimes very subtle, but we count on the parents a lot. 
um, to tell us, you know, when symptoms are developing. So if, let's say you, you have a child taking a therapy for, you know, two years back in, you know, 20, 2016, and then they changed it up um, several times. Do you ever go back to the same therapy or is it always different? We, we actually add on to the therapy. We actually oh. don't take it away. We actually now there are some newer forms of the of some therapies that we use to replace one with another. For instance, a longer acting version um, of some of the therapies, so it doesn't require them taking it twice a day. They take it once a day, but then but we always keep that that class of drug. I mean, we just add on yeah. on top of it. Okay, and that's that's usually that's just the protocol, right? Yeah. So do you see anything changing in the future? Like what's what's coming down the line for pH? I, I think that there's going to be, I mean, more effective medications that are tar- that target, I mean, uh, can deliver higher doses of drug to the, to the body as they're metabolized that are more well tolerated with less side effects. Um, I think that, I mean, the side effects can be pretty daunting. And I mean, and actually I'm kind of proud of the fact that most children can tolerate the side effects better than the adults. The adults really? kind of... Uh, kind of wimp out and, you know, I mean, and I, and I blame them because they are, I mean, a lot of them are like just, I mean, feeling flushed, mm-hmm. but they can be things like nausea, headaches, diarrhea. I mean, things that, you know, can really impact your daily life. But a lot of the kids are pretty stoic about it. And so, um, but I think that down the line, a lot of those medications will, with the side effects will be reduced and they'll be more effective in being more metabolized. So the doses don't have to be quite so high mm-hmm. um, in being able to treat this and, I mean, get this drug into the system. Wow. Very interesting. Steve, how did you see Lucas respond to his new therapies? Was it you know easy? Yeah, I mean this latest drug that we're talking about is one that is a um, a titration drug. So you're taking a little bit week one, a little bit more week two, a little bit more week three, and so mm-hmm. on forth uh, and so on. And then you know, oh, that's that step up was a problem. Let's go back one. And so some of the newer therapies are more um, targeted to the individual, I I think it's fair to say. And so, you know, and that's what I told this other parent too, is like, hey, because, because patient X got to, you know, step number 10, maybe you get to step number four or maybe step number two or maybe step number six is the right one for you. So it's not about compare apples to apples. And, and so hopefully with new therapies, as they, as they go forth, it'll, it'll be more targeted to the individual. Um, I can't say exactly. I'm not a researcher to know what, what ones are, how that specific that is now, but uh, that's the hope with the development of any of these through, through trials and, uh, and whatnot. I mean, a lot of genomics also will let you, is going to be able to tell us in the future which medications your body is going to respond better to. Okay. So. Uh, and, and through how, like how studying studying your genes and studying your your studying your genes and your and your and basically your DNA, your oh. so be able to to see what your what 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 your type of pulmonary hypertension is going to respond to best. Oh, really? So I think that that kind of that's kind of on the now the new cutting edge. Of where medicine is heading in terms of not just pulmonary hypertension medications, but all medications. Very interesting. And you were talking about how you were consulting someone on online as well. That's a new thing as well. That's the, the advent of social media and the internet, <laughs> and yeah, all things that didn't exist when I was, you know, first moved out to California. But 
I, I mean, you know, it's difficult because you have to reassure families that, you know, it's that, I mean, obviously yeah. not seeing the patient, you can't make a diagnosis. But in this day and age, I think parents want to be able to reach out and get either the feeling that they're doing the right thing or look for other options or, and sometimes it's not so easy. I mean, because as Steve said earlier, you want these, a lot of this work is being done in the major medical centers. And if you live in a small town three or four hours away, yes. it's harder for you to get access to it. Yeah. And that's why, again, you know, to have things like, a, like our podcast, for example, when you're talking to this doctor and what he's doing here or this, it, it's not to say, Hey, why am I, why am I not on that therapy? However, but it's also to say, well, this is, whether it be a, a patient, a caregiver, a doctor, this is what it's like. This is what my experience was. And hopefully that information can help, you know, that patient can talk to their doctor or but most importantly, I want to reiterate again that mm -hmm. patients should be going to see doctors that are working in cardiology, pul uh, pul you know, pulmonary hypertension that are experts in this field uh, as opposed to being just uh you know, general Doc Hollywood uh, or whatever, you know, you know, whatever, you know, whatever doctor. So if they're on yeah. ER, please yeah. do not go. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing, too, that I think is uh, an interesting um, thing that I've seen as a parent uh, and that's, I think, true across the board in any disease or rare disease state is just the impact of, uh, you know, the emotional impact of it, not yeah. just as a parent, but as the patient, you know, and uh, so that's something, again, I'm blessed that, uh, you know, Dr. Lejos is seeing and has a, a palliative care team uh, that are that are helping people navigate patients, yeah. patients like Lucas navigate, you know, that that impact that goes with the diagnosis. Well, tell us some of the things that you have learned that, you uh, at the time when you didn't know anything about this disease, what would you share with someone who is just newly diagnosed with uh, pulmonary hypertension? Um, I think that, well, I'll tell you, there's what activated me as a person, uh, as a parent, is the right when he was diagnosed. This was, you know, like I said, 13 years ago, I went to a... Uh, I went to a seminar, that a uh, conference that was in Northern California, and it was like, hey, you're going to learn about pH and with other parents, uh, you know, and they're going to pediatrics and about this disease. And I wa we walked into the to the kind of the keynote, and there was a woman, uh, her name was Betty Lou Wojo, I'll never forget, she's friends still to this day. She had four kids and her husband, and 20-some years ago, when there were no therapies, she, um, her kid and her baby was diagnosed, and there was nothing, and that child died uh, a few weeks later. Uh, cut to a handful of years later, her other son was in uh, college at the time, and he was diagnosed with this disease, ultimately passed away. And that's when they knew, hey, something's going on here. Then the, her husband got diagnosed with this disease. That's what? when they that's when they connected to a, a genetic link to this in, in some forms of pH. And he passed away. And she has two other kids. And that's all the, more than half of her family has she's lost to this disease. And um, now her daughter, who's like my age, they've had that she's had the gene this whole time and that gene activated. And now she is developing some serious signs and oh, wow. is, is, uh, is on therapy. Now, um, that is a very impactful yeah. thing that I'll never forget. And I still work with to Betty Lou and her family to these days. We do. And, um, you know, but, and, and, and sure as not, Michelle, uh, her daughter is 
you know, out there on the front lines working with pharmaceutical companies, working in uh, 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 clinical trials and educating people about this. And it's really, I would just say, this is really a function of awareness, awareness, you know, medical center, awareness for the general population, awareness for your community and your, your family to know like, hey, this, that's so I'm pretty open book on that sense. And so the other thing I would say is that Someone else's story is not your story. Mm-hmm. We're all, you know, exactly. one of our slogans, and, you know, it's actually the name of our podcast. I'm aware that I'm rare. Everyone's rare in their own way. So you're, you're, what's happened to you, whether it's good or bad, is not necessarily what's going to happen to you and is not necessarily what's going to happen to me. And so, uh, you know, I, I take it all with a grain of salt. We can learn by, get as much information we can about it and to make a, an informed decision about, should I be trying this therapy? Should I be going to this doctor? Should I try this? And should I do this activity? So the blessing is that there's a lot of options. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of great people working in this space, uh, great centers. And, uh, you know, we're blessed to, to, to collaborate hand in hand with, with organizations like Hearts with Hope, with places like the, you know, the PBH net, Stanford, this that I'm talking about in the, uh, in the research apps and whatnot. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I feel blessed that we were, you know, we, he was diagnosed very early on. Most patients take almost three years to get diagnosed. And so, relatively speaking, Lucas was diagnosed in nine months. That's an important fact that people, when they know something's wrong, you know, they hear, they hear a podcast, they read a blog, they see something or whatever on Facebook, hopefully that in, that drives them mm-hmm. to get the right kind of testing talk to their doctor to have an open dialogue about that. Dr. Alejos, so can you let us know what are some of the symptoms? It is a very difficult to diagnose because a lot of them can be, I mean, basically very common symptoms. I mean, children who don't have, don't want like to walk, who always need to be, want to be carried, who don't have the same exercise tolerance. I mean, there's the very dramatic, I mean, definitive or not definitive, but most dramatic presentations is, is passing out. And that usually warrants a workup that includes the ultrasound of the heart that usually makes a diagnosis. But there are much more subtle cases, which include exercise intolerance. Um, And like Steve said, wheezing or or lung difficulty breathing, difficulty catching their breath or turning blue. Um, Those kind of things are very, are very subtle. But a lot of that, a lot of that, I mean, I have had one patient who the dad for years was upset with himself because his, because the diagnosis wasn't made for years because he always assumed the fact that his son wanted to be carried all the time as just his son being lazy. Mm. And what it was wasn't that he was being lazy. It was that he had pulmonary hypertension and he would get fatigued and he couldn't walk any further. But, I mean, the, the dad would, you know, wrote it off to what most people. So, I mean, I don't want people to panic and say, you know, he my son doesn't want to do any sports. And so now he's got pulmonary hypertension because it is a very rare disease. But I think the bottom line in that is if you have symptoms and you've been seen by many doctors and nothing has gotten better, keep pushing until you find somebody who can, I mean, who will do the testing to rule out big, what we call zebras, mm-hmm. things that are not commonly seen. Um, we can rule those out. Right. And Steve, I remember meeting you. You were talking about zebras and you had a huge campaign about that. Yeah. It's, you know, we all... You know, we use our superpowers. <laughs> I don't mean superpowers, but you know, we yeah. use our expertise yeah. in different ways. I, like I said, ha- ha- my background is in um, uh, creative marketing, creative marketing mm-hmm. promos, advertising, whatever. Uh, and and that's with that came not just 
um, you know, like I said, editors, graphic people, etc. So we, there was, I had a strong group of people that are friends that you call upon to, to help you out in these endeavors. So we, we created PSAs. Uh, we, we do things like the podcast or whatever. We just try to make simple messaging so people understand that. And to that end, all these years later, um, one other project we're very proud of, uh, we literally today, uh, you know, finished, uh, locking, um, uh, a short film, uh, an awareness film that uh, is about uh, situations like we've been talking about, about, uh, you know, I guess I would loosely call it, uh, you know, the fault in our stars meets the uh, the breakfast club. So it's like support groups uh, of young kids uh, that and young adults uh, suffering from this uh, from pulmonary hypertension. Mm -hmm. And so we had uh, is a new way to capture people, whether that be through uh, film screenings at a, you know at local movie theaters or in hospitals or centers and whatnot. And we had a great team of people, uh, people in front of the camera, people behind the camera that have this disease. All those kids that were in that, um, you know, you mentioned, does Lucas play uh, sports? No, he didn't. But what he did, he ended up getting involved into uh, voiceover work. So, mm -hmm. for example... In these PSAs, he narrated those yes. in the past, and all the kids that were cited in those all those years ago are now young adults in their own right. So we tracked down all of them, oh. and we're still friends with all of them. And and uh, tragically, uh, one of them, however, has passed since passed away. The girl that I mentioned that was in that uh, dry suit, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, we have all these patient voices, and and we're trying to to just reach people at PH Aware in different ways using different methodologies and tactics and hopefully through uh, doing something like a short film awareness piece to to, uh, to really drive that point home we'll be able to be a platform to uh, to uh, to educate doctors and, and people in the general population dr. Alejos have you found that more and more parents are being more proactive in their search for you know, health, not only with themselves, but with their families? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that not only in terms of medications, but also in terms of healthy living, exercise, diet. Uh, I think that parents are becoming much more aware of the, of the impact that having eating a very, eating a bag of Cheetos or mm -hmm. going to fast food restaurants, the negative impact it can have on their child. So I think that they're, it, it's, it's a good trend. Um, you just have to get – I mean, I think the, the biggest you know, culprit has been the wave of uh, video games and things like yeah. that. And I think, hopefully, thankfully, parents are really finding that now kind of pushing back against that. So. Yeah. And when you say trend, I think uh, hopefully that will gravitate into a lifestyle. Exactly. I, I've, I try to tell parents that it's much easier to create habits when you're three than to try – I mean – for instance, to eat fruits and vegetables as a snack than to try to change that when you're 30. Because yeah. I know, I can tell you personally that it's not very easy to do. Right. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I have not had Cheetos today. I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> right. So what's next, Steve, for PH Aware? Uh, well, we're, you know, what's next is... Uh, the biggest, the big thing that we've been striving for for a long, long time is, uh, the implementation and the, uh, uh, to the, the, uh, launch of, of these, uh, this research app. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
specifically with uh, the Children's Hospital in Colorado, with Stanford um, uh, this summer. Uh, and again, these are six-minute walk validation tests, quality of life survey instruments that hopefully will really drive big data that really push things forward for um, research on that front. Um, and again, the uh, you know we're we're just in that 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 moment before the moment uh, on this uh, this short film is just a whole other trajectory for us to uh, to see if that's something that can uh, to spark a lot of conversation education to the general population and, and really kind of take that on the uh, that a uh, roadshow if you will to to really explain how this app is deployed mm-hmm. what this disease is about and uh, and and hopefully uh, you know just uh, to collaborate on on, on great uh, projects like our uh, like our, uh, our our poker tournament and, yes. and things like that poker 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 <laughs> okay so uh, again <laughs> The top two people. The two, t- not the top two. Yeah, the first two people the that email us people. at info at phaware.global. You get a seat. Come out. It's on May 4th in Santa Monica, uh, uh, literally on the corner of Wilshire and 4th Street. But you can find this event on Eventbrite. Search under phaware, one word, or phaware.global slash poker. Uh, but uh, we hope to see you guys there. And uh, Dr. Alejos, tell Tell us what's in it for what do you look for for Hearts with Hope Foundation? What's down the line? Uh, I mean, we're preparing now. We have a couple of missions that were set up to uh, for later this year, both one in the summer and one in the fall. So we're, I mean, looking again, we've been, we have collaborations that we've established. We commi- kind of make commitments to hospitals overseas. We have two in Peru right now that we're committed to. We've had relationships with them for one of them for over 10 years, and the other one for about six years where we've gone down and, and helped. Not only our goal is not only to treat the patients, but also to teach their surgeons, their nurses, their anesthesiologists, cardiologists. And actually, we've seen both programs develop greatly. So now we're kind of left continuing to like elevate their education, mm-hmm. but they're doing a lot of things that they didn't do when we started and able to care for their own patients and our own people there. So it's been wow. a great step. You know what's great? I think he undersells the idea is that you see on the news where it's like, here, this particular child has a heart issue mm-hmm. and they're flying the pay, you know, the family from Guatemala to USC or something. Mm-hmm. This isn't a singular situation. This is a whole mobile mash unit that goes in and does dozens of kids and wow. all these families, people that don't have access to uh, centers and hospitals and insurance mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. And it's it's pretty uh, – I've been to some of these events that they've held. It's pretty pretty amazing. It, it, it is. And again, just to reiterate, reiterate what you guys said is that there are these small communities that don't have access to proper health care within like a 50-mile radius. And it's – it's sad. <laughs> it's very sad. I mean, not. I mean, I mean, it's, even here in the United States, yeah. that's, yeah, that's yeah. the case. And, and we try. We actually. I mean, Hearts with Hope also sponsors like health team clinics for patients who are looking for a clearance to play football but don't have the money to go see a doctor. So we bring volunteers who can help clear them. And if they have, and it's a sad the number of patients we found early on who had high blood pressure mm. and who were overweight. Mm. And so, I mean. It's a problem. I mean, and, and we, you know, I think that we, I mean, are very fortunate here that we, in, the, in this country, that we have some of the premier medical centers and opportunities. So I think it's it's our right and our duty to take those overseas and be able to share that knowledge with other physicians and healthcare personnel who are also hungry to learn, but may just lack the, I mean, the materials to do what right. they need to do. 
Wow. Well, I'm so glad you guys got to come in and share Hearts with Hope Foundation and PH Aware Global Association. And again, your event is on May 4th, 6 p.m. in Santa Monica. Uh, find us at phaware.global slash poker or on Eventbrite. And uh, we'd like to get uh, we'd like to see you down there. Mr. Steve Van Warmer, president and co-founder of phaware.global. Uh, and again, he's also a creative marketing producer, podcaster, and parent of a 17-year-old pulmonary hypertension patient who's also been seeing our next guest, Dr. Juan Alejos, and he's medical director of pediatric heart transplant cardiomyopathy program at Mattel Children's Hospital at UCLA and founder of Hearts with Hope Foundation nonprofit. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Thank you, Thank Laferne. I appreciate it. I'm Laferne Cusack. Uh, for more information, log on to ESPNLA.com and uh, check out some more podcasts from the show and or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you next week here on ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.